Um, so having talked about the importance of gospel partnerships and gospel support in seeing a, a move of God in Corinth in the book of Acts and in Seaford. Uh, incidentally, the, the book of Acts is titled, isn't it, the, the Acts of the Apostles. And yet in that short section alone, there's only one apostle who was mentioned. There was the married couple that he partnered with. There was Justice who opened up his home, the synagogue ruler, Timothy and Silas, and many Corinthians uh, who, as well, all of whom were involved in gospel preaching and church building. And uh, whoever titled the book might have got it wrong because it's not really the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit using the people of God on mission. And, uh, and again, the, the more... I'm around church circles, I realise that the real champions of church and the heroes of church are the people who are in this room, the people who've been building church over many years. And I don't just say that because it sounds nice, it's genuinely true. Um, without you, there'd be no church. Or there'd be a guy at the front opening the Bible to talk to an empty room. Um, but without you loving and pastoring and opening up your homes to people and caring for people, uh, there would be no church, or certainly there wouldn't be a church worth attending. Um, so in light of partnerships and the importance of all of that and support, and in light of Rick Warren saying that um, he worries about the people in his church who aren't in life groups, uh, let's talk about what we're going to do for this next academic year. Uh, it's been two years since we meddled with life groups. Um, we did the small group life group thing two years ago now, and just kind of watched to see how that grew and went. And uh, as I said, it was fantastic to see many people um, just deepen their relationships with one another and get stuck into God together. That's been really exciting to watch how people have grown in those relationships and leadership. But um, church, because it's a living thing, uh, like a garden, it needs gardening. And so we can't just kind of let things tick over as they always were. We want to shape things around a bit. And, um, and we're, not, we're not making massive changes, but for the next year, this is what we've got faith for and what we want to um, see kind of grow and God use. So let's talk just about the purpose of life groups. Okay, so um, we had this uh, meeting as elders a couple of months ago in Graham's garden and spent all morning talking about life groups and what we want to achieve in life groups over the next year. And, and Graham came up with this definition, which I found personally very helpful. Because uh, again, you've been in church for a while, you've seen every different system under the sun, life groups, home groups, small groups, Acts 29 groups, um, whatever we call them, fusion groups. Um, and, and this is, so we're not changing much, okay? Uh, but what we are wanting to do is just kind of clarify a few things. What are we trying to do with these groups? What's the purpose of them? So this is the purpose that we came up with. That's helpful. The purpose of life groups is to, um, to cultivate biblical and church culture with the people you want to be with in a place you want to be. I like that. That's simple. That's not trying to do more than what it says on the tin. Uh, to cultivate biblical and church culture. When we talk about culture, what we're really saying is um, the application of the Christian faith uh, that creates a culture, that creates an environment. And we want to cultivate a biblical environment and a biblical process of application. I was reading a book a couple of months ago that just made the point, church is often split because people argue over who knows the most Bible. <laughs> or, or if they don't argue over it, they get puffed up over particular doctrines and theories and ideas. But they don't, they don't ever split because churches are trying to apply the Bible too much. 
Can you imagine a church like that where everyone's falling over themselves to serve one another and submit to one another and honor their leaders and disciple one another and teach one another? People, you don't split in a church like that because people are taking Jesus's words and the Bible's words and living them. And so we think that our life groups ought to be environments that specialize in gospel application, in getting us to work together to apply the stuff that we say we intellectually believe and live out. And that creates a culture. And we want to cultivate biblical and church culture with the people you want to be with in a place you want to be. And that's key as well, that life groups should be about things that you want to do. It should be about meeting with the people that you want to meet with. Not necessarily your best buddies all the time, but people that you genuinely got faith for, that God's going to use you and use them to shape one another. Um, and so we oh, let's let's talk about oh, Chris. Your uh, your your iPad always um, locks me out. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but thank you for lending me your iPad because I left my notes back at the King Centre. So that's what I meant to say. It came out as anyway. So that's the purpose. Uh, and life groups. We want life groups to provide the right environment to be welcoming without reservation, adventurous with no dawdling, encouraging with no hesitation, generous with no questioning real with no fear and thankful with no reluctance. So when we talk about culture, that's what we're really talking about. Uh, and again, we've talked a lot about church culture over the past two years. This isn't a new thing. We've swapped some of the words around um, to kind of just keep us on our toes and to hopefully pick words that are a little bit more current with people. But again, it's the same thing. We're not putting new ideas in our heads. We're just saying what we've always been about, we want to be about, let's go again. Let's not get weary in well-doing. And so we talk a lot about these cultures as being things that we think embody what all genuine gospel application ought to look like. You see, it's one thing to say, I believe in the gospel of grace. It's another thing to live that out in the way that you welcome someone. Because if you know you've been welcomed, wretched sinner that you are, if you know that you've been welcomed, when that does a work on you, it makes you more welcoming. And so that's why we talk about the importance of being a welcoming community. So that's just, that's just picking that one. So we talk about welcoming without reservation, adventurous with no dawdling. Adventurous is the new word for courage. Um, but it's about the Christian life being adventurous, something that we want to do, we get excited about doing. I always remember years ago when a friend of mine said to me, if you're bored in your Christian life, it's because you haven't taken any risks recently. And I still think he's absolutely right. If, when I get bored as a Christian, it's basically because I've done nothing that scared me recently. And so I need to challenge myself to live a little bit more adventurously. Encouraging, honoring. Uh, we want to establish and develop a, a continual culture where people feel encouraged and strengthened to follow God. And it's, we want people to feel like it's good that I exist in the world because my life group make me feel like that. Or my Christian friends encourage me to keep going when things are tough. Uh, generous with no questioning. Um, if I'm honest, that's my, that's my, on those lists. I mean, this is an exercise for you. Look at that list and think, which is, which is the one that you find easiest and hardest to do? Um, if I'm honest, generosity is the one that I find hardest. Um, just being real <laughs> with you, um, yeah, just for me. Um, and I know that I need people to help prodding me, help keep prodding me to be generous. Because again, I know that the more the gospel of grace does a work on me and the more I realize that God um, who was rich became poor in order to make many rich, the more I understand that, the more it should loosen my grip on things and make me more generous. But that's just something that I'm wrestling with. Huh? Yeah, I've got the church credit card on me. So. 
<laughs> yeah, generous, not reckless. <laughs> uh, and, and real with no fear. And I think if anything in the last two years, the emphasis on small groups has probably helped us to just become a little bit more real with one another. Uh, when you're sitting down with trusted friends every other week and they're asking you how things are going really, um, that, that hopefully helps you to take off some of your masks and get stuck in together. And thankful with no reluctance. I don't know if you've seen the info booklet that uh, is out for this month, but Graham's written a little article in it and he makes reference to the letters columns in uh, some of the local press. Just for amusement, you should read some of the letters columns in the Eastbourne Herald. Um, I'm sure the Seaford leader's the same. But people, it, thankfulness is not something that flows easily in this culture. People have a, a high sense of entitlement. And the gospel tells you that you're really only entitled to hell and death and destruction. And so everything else you receive in life is a gift. Therefore, we've got plenty to be thankful for. Um, that's just how I interpret that to me. So yeah, have a think. What's your weakest one? What's your strongest one? I won't get you to turn to the person next to you. If you're with your spouse, they already know which your weakest one is. Um, perhaps you can also tell them what your strongest one is later as well. Uh, so, so really, for the next year, we're wanting to emphasize this in life groups, that life groups become like little Petri dishes. Uh, that grow this kind of culture. This is a Petri dish. Um, if you want a more clip art version, this is a Petri dish. Um, Graham would be very proud that I'm using clip art. Um, a Petri dish is something that grows a culture for something. Not bacteria, it grows cures for diseases and things like that. And so when you put the right ingredients in a, in a Petri dish and leave it in the right conditions, it produces what you want it to produce, I'm told. I asked Marlon to get me a Petri dish, but he tells me he's not that kind of scientist. I don't know, he's the only scientist I know and he doesn't have a Petri dish. So I'm slightly disappointed in that. Uh, my illusion of science, next he's gonna tell me that he doesn't wear a lab coat and then my, my head's gonna explode because <laughs> all my stereotypes will come crumbling down. But that's a Petri dish. And so we want life groups to be like little Petri dishes that cultivate and develop the kind of gospel application culture that we want to see grown in the church individually and togetherly, corporately. Um, Starbucks is a, is a great example of gospel effectiveness. They, they have a company motto that's sometimes put on the back of their, their baristas, people who serve the coffee, the baristas t-shirts, and it says, if our baristas don't have it, we don't have it. Basically meaning that it's one thing to have all these values and ideas, but if the person on the shop floor doesn't embody those values, you don't actually own it as a culture. You just have it on a, on a wall in an office somewhere. And as a church, it's one thing for us to do sermons about all oh, generosity and thankfulness and all of that. But if we as individuals are not growing in our application of that, it's just a nice placard on a wall or a poster that looks nice that Sam designed in his office and that we went, hey, this makes us a contemporary church. <laughs> no, we need to work harder growing that culture individually in one another's lives. And so um, that means that these groups, life groups will meet and they'll do different kinds of things. Sometimes they'll meet for worship. Sometimes they'll meet for Bible study. Sometimes they'll meet for all kinds of things, for food, for eating. But they'll meet around those culture things. And so if a group thinks, oh, let's get more adventurous this week, let's develop that as a culture, they might go out on the seafront and hand out things to people or they might go pray for someone or they might, I don't know, share their, just share their stories with one another about what God's been doing. If there's a life group that says, we want to grow in thankfulness this week, they might just kind of spend a week focusing on that. That's our aim that we, however we do it, there's flexibility in that, but however we do it, we develop those cultures in the church. 
Uh, so when uh, these life groups will meet, uh, we want more options. Uh, we'll hopefully get some daytime options going this year, but we want as many options as we can. Uh, at the moment, uh, our life groups are going to meet on Wednesday and Thursday evenings, um, just because of the people that are leading them and when's most convenient. Hopefully over time we'll get Tuesday evening and some daytime ones as I mentioned, but we want to get going with three life groups as we've got at the moment um, and then over time see them develop. And so let's look at some of the, the when, the what, the hows of these groups. So when, we're going to meet them, uh, what groups. Um, firstly, we're wanting, we're wanting our life group leaders to sign up for like year contracts. Uh, not that at the end of the year we boot them out, but at the end of the year if they want to they can step down. Because in my experience, people who lead life groups often feel like they've been given a life sentence. You like to leave a life group forever. That's how, sometimes how people feel like when they're asked to lead a life group. So we're saying, look, lead a life group, give it a go for a year. At the end of the year, someone else in your group will step up and lead it. They will step up and lead it. <laughs> and they'll do it for a year. And for the past two years, um, the Jeffreys, uh, the, the, I was going to use your nickname, but I won't do that. <laughs> Chris and Jill, <laughs> um, and Tony and Jane, uh, that then became Mel, have led life groups and have done really well. Um, because of changes in work circumstances for the Jeffries and for Mel, um, they've asked to take some time out from leading group because uh, many people don't appreciate, but life group can be and is uh, a big responsibility and, and requires quite a bit of time. So they're taking a time out from leading that. Uh, so we haven't kicked them off the team. They've just said we're gonna take some time to be part of a group and not carry the full responsibility for a group. But we're really grateful for their time leading and for what they've put in in uh, making that happen. Um, so with them kind of stepping down, we've then going, all right, so what groups are we gonna have? Um, and if you've been at any of our prayer meetings in recent months, you'll know that one of the big themes that we feel like God's put on our heart as a church is to reach people in this town in their 20s um, and late teens with the gospel. And the startling statistic is that if you take kings out of, the, out of the equation, there's less than 30 people under the age of 30 going to church in this town on Sundays. That's scary. I want to see young people uh, realize that the gospel's relevant for their lives and see their lives changed by meeting God. And so I'm really excited to announce that we're going to have a, a life group that's um, going to especially aim to develop a community among the kind of late teens and 20s group. Uh, and that's going to be led by um, the DeCostas and Dawkins, um, which Chris said you could call that the Dax and Dorks group. And I said, we can't do that. Can't do that. Um, but the Dax and Dorks are going to lead a group. <laughs> I won't do that again. Uh, <laughs> I saw Marlon's face. We're going to lead a group among the, the late teens and 20s. That's going to meet on Wednesday evening at Marlon and Joe's house. And, um, and if people are currently in a life group and you're in that age bracket, you're welcome to go to that group if you want. You don't have to, uh, but you're welcome to go to that group. We want to see a community really establish and grow among that age group. So that's, we're really excited about that. We're going to pray for them in just a bit. Um, also, we're going to have uh, these other groups that uh, Chris and Jill uh, at the Coleman's um, and, and elsewhere on Wednesday evenings. And Amy and I, for the time being, are going to lead a group at ours in conjunction with the Bowyers because they've not got enough on their plate at the moment. Uh, and that's going to be a kind of temporary thing while we get other people uh, to come through who are willing to lead and pastor a group as well. And, um, and actually, we feel like that's, that will serve us best on a Thursday evening. 
Um, personally, I've got faith to reach my neighbours, and so I want a group in my home so I can easily invite my neighbours to that as well. Um, so those are the groups that we're going to be running with to start with. Hopefully by Christmas we can add an extra group into that because a church our size really ought to have more than three life groups. But we thought let's get three groups functioning well and then send out some leaders to start another one rather than kind of getting four groups just scraping by with leaders who haven't done it before. So that's what we're doing um, and that's when they're going to be meeting. And so how do you get into those groups? Um, a number of ways. Um, CCB, our beloved friend is CCB. Uh, those groups are now on CCB. Chris has brought his CCB device at the back, otherwise known as a laptop connected to the internet. Uh, his CCB device is at the back of the room. And if you're not yet on CCB and you'd like to get onto CCB, if you don't know enough about CCB and you'd like to find out more, see Chris, he's the guru. Uh, but you can sign up to get on CCB with Chris. Um, and you can sign up to your life group just by clicking on CCB and finding the group that you want to join. Uh, alternatively, turn up at a group, see what it's like, uh, or alternatively, just shop around and visit all three groups um, and experience them for yourselves. But we want people to buy into these groups themselves rather than telling people that's where you go. Um, and even if you're not going to be able to be around every week, we are encouraging people to uh, get attached to a group even if they're not able to go every week. Uh, there are people in the church like Dennis and Joy who aren't able to be in a group, but they're affiliated to groups so that that group's able to pastor them and show them some support with the things that are going on with them at the moment. So those are some things about life groups, the, the who's, the what's, the how's, the why's. And, um, and I hope that excites you. I know it does me. I'm looking forward to seeing how God uses them and uses the relationships that are formed in there to, to build the church and to see people... Uh, get to know God. I want us to relax and enjoy going to life group and in, enjoy discipling one another in those settings. Uh, but I want us to really pray for our leaders who are doing that, the, the DeCostas the and the Dawkins who are doing that for the first time. We're really excited about that. Let's pray for them. Um, and we're going to do that now and worship God and, um, and just hopefully spend the next kind of just 15 minutes praying for them and hearing from God about different things as well. Is that okay?